installment of the SUAS News podcast series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say a big warm hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. How's it going, Gene? Hello there, Patrick. Oh, it's going pretty well. Just uh, kind of making time. Always got time for the podcast, you know. Me too. I love it. No, it's great. It's all, you know, sometimes it gets a little seat of the pants, depending upon what you're doing and uh, the workload and what's transpiring, which tons of stuff is going on. Kind of weird. End of the year going on here. Lots of happy face stuff. Talking to a lot of people on the phone. We usually talk about current events. The big current event to talk about today is, um, you know, that uh, Gurr had left Amazon. Uh, that that became news a few days ago. Um, and if anybody doesn't know, he was heading up the Amazon delivery thing. Business Insider ran a story today that a lot of people at Amazon are uh, in, in the drone delivery are getting laid off. I it's not like I revel in anyone's downfall, but man, I told them coming out of the gate that that was going to be uh, next to impossible. You're going to have to have the regulatory thing nailed down. Everybody laughed. We got software. And uh, we're going to make it happen, and you're going to get your uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman DVD set delivered. It's going to be great. I know you had your doubts, Gene, when, when this uh, me? deal was no. rolled out. Oh, come on. Not I know, me. I know. <laughs> I know you're always so, uh, what do they call that? You're up for a good time. I am. I am. Let's rock and roll, man. Get it out there. Drop it off on my front porch, and let's see if I can get it for the dogs, too. Well, the the thing with that, um, you know, uh, so many of the drone stars have gone supernova now. It, it's just, uh, you know, so you got the DAC and the DAC. I mean, the last uh, DAC that I um, went to in person, uh, you know, Gurr was kind of leading the show. Um, you had Dan Elwell over there, and I tells you how long ago that's been. It's like two years. I could check back in in another two years, and I'm sure it'll be the same thing. As even at that one, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, they're still asking questions and making assumptions that they were making assumptions and asking questions 15, 17, 20 years ago. Uh, very little progress. The uh, upshot on my long-winded story is is that the people that are at the DAC are at companies that are no longer in drones or fail or whatever. I mean, they never even had a graph. They never even came up to speed on what was going on. And I and I you know I I sit there and I I muse about it. I mean, it's like, is it like uh, is it Peter Principle? The FAA just doesn't want to get anything done. Um, we don't want to. Come up with solutions because then we don't have uh, consulting opportunities to offer it to. Um, it's easier to say no, CYA. I, I, it just it boggles my mind that in, in a country that put people on the moon, we, that we can't integrate a 251-gram Chinese drone into the NASA. It just it boggles my mind. Gene? Well, you know, being an aviator myself and, and having – dealt with the uh, Federal Aviation Administration for a while, um, you know, there, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved. There's no question. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot of, you know, shifting of responsibility here and there. And as of late, they've, 
they've really taken their their hits. There's no question they've taken their hits with the uh, the whole collusion thing with the Part 135 carriers and the lax sort of inspections that were going on. That they've got a little recovery to do, I think. And um, yeah, it's um, there, there's a lot of CYA going on. Unfortunately, I, I think that's that's going to continue for a while. Well, um, it, it, it's just killing the drone business in the United States. But anyway, uh, to this show is a continuation from last week's uh, show, American Aerospace, we had with uh, our guest Brock uh, Gibson, which we're going to bring Brock back on. Continue the conversation because really it just started getting good. And then, of course, we ran out of time, yeah. even though the show was a little long. But, you know, that happens. Anyway, uh, uh, Brock, you're out there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm here. Good morning, Patrick and uh, Gene. How are you all? Doing good. Great. Man. Doing Great. Best as can be expected. And, and uh, Brock, just to, you know, some people may not ca- catch the first episode because who knows what. Uh, could you, again, maybe give us a, an abbreviated bio, a little bit about your, your history, just in case? Sure. Uh, 21 year uh, Air Force uh, aviator with a, a, a really varied career, uh, career path. Uh, one that, uh, if you asked Air Force Military uh, Personnel Center, they'd say it doesn't exist. Uh, but anyway, uh, had the opportunity to to uh, uh, dabble in uh, major weapons systems, high-performance aircraft flying, uh, new aircraft production tests, and also uh, uh, many opportunities to get up close in front with uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, senior leadership in the military and consequently into the bowels of the U.S. government and the lawmakers and those kinds of things along the way. Uh, and uh, hung up the uniform and uh, went to uh, work for uh, Institu, uh, builder of the uh, famous uh, Scan Eagle and now uh, the, the hobbling its way along uh, RQ-21 uh, blackjack slash integrator. Uh, that some may be aware of, and uh, got in early with uh, Institu prior to Boeing acquiring the company, and uh, um, uh, subsequently uh, was heavy on the operations side. And in uh, 2008, I was uh, uh, invited uh, by uh, Boeing and Institu to join the executive team, and. Uh, uh, established the uh, deployed operations division of the company, which is where the bread and butter really was uh, along the way, uh, and uh, 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 establish a uh, core of professional uh, pilots, maintainers, mission coordinators, and uh, fly our own equipment. Uh, around the world, predominantly in combat operations and just about every uh, thing you have seen on the nightly news uh, in the wars and conflicts we've been engaged in over the last uh, uh, 15, 20 years. So that's it. In a nutshell, we could call you an expert. (laughs) 
I'm surprised they haven't asked you to be on the DAC. Maybe you know too much. Um, I know that uh, people have keep keep nominating me. I don't even know why. It's uh, you know. I mean, I, I I don't really think they want to get anything done. But you know. Uh, so Brock, you know, I was talking about a little bit about the uh, Amazon delivery thing. So from what you know, you you're you were actually uh, involved in let's say you know a government contracted program, the development, the testing, the evaluation, all the rest of this. What 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 did you what you know what did you think when you're like Amazon? We're going to deliver packages. Well. <laughs> be honest with you, listening to Gene's description and uh, your intro on the topic, uh, I could uh, relate to it very, very well. Uh, uh, with everything that was going on in the, uh, in the industry and the potentials of the technology and all of that, it just uh, uh, set shocked the hell out of me, uh, basically, that we would put our focus on uh, utilizing the platform in such a manner as, uh, you know, delivering a pizza or uh, medicines or whatever. I just felt like it was a distraction at best. Uh, and uh, uh, kind of think like I think we're seeing is a, uh, a well underutilized uh, uh, manner of employing this technology that has huge capabilities, especially along the uh, the small uh, unmanned systems uh, category. Yeah, you know, right. one thing that is interesting, one thing that I, I think is probably driving all of this is that I, I'm, Patrick, I'm sure you're you're aware of this early on. You know, uh, as an, uh, if you're a pilot, you know that uh, the United States is crisscrossed with Victor Airways, and then that's where, you know, a lot of your commercial stuff flies and there are highways in the sky. Well, there were a lot of individuals that thought that they were going to do the same thing in the zero to 400 space. Mm. And those, I'm talking about zero to 400 AGL, and uh, they were going to set up highways and they were going to monetize those highways. They were going to charge to use them, which I thought was just really kind of outlandish until, you know, you start looking at some of the things that have come down the pipe for, you know, taxes and everything else it it didn't seem so crazy so again i think even at the periphery before anybody even got a drone ready to go they were building the highway it was like you know we were still in in horse and buggy days and and they were building uh, a, a 10 lane for uh you know the, the first edsel to come out <laughs> well I, I, you know, I, I, I lament about this too all the time. I, you know, anytime I've ever been, and it, I'm sure that you can back me up on this. Anytime there's been any like integration or regulatory or type of meeting or scope or whatever, uh, you you talk about stuff that's possible today. Not yeah, but usually the to- the topic of conversation is about uh, things that can happen today for about five minutes, and the next thing you know, we're on to global hawks. We're on to Class A, E, we're into, you know, near-Earth orbit and how we're going to capture the entire thing, you know, which, you know, people say take a bite of the elephant. you got a whole herd of elephants right. you're trying to make sandwiches out of. It is, it, it is beyond me. I mean, I tell people all the time, beyond visual line of sight is doable today, and I, I, I hope that you guys agree with me. If not, you can tell me that I'm full of stuff. But, you know, you're out in Corn Bluff, Iowa, 
uh, 50 miles from the nearest you know town or neighbor or whatever, and there's no air traffic, and you want to fly a one-pound uh, drone around to take pictures of your corn, uh, I think you could do the safety, uh, you know, you could do a safety study and decide if that's going to be safe or not. Um, I think that these are arbitrary breaks. Uh, nobody was interested in doing the science, and I and I blame the uh, industry. You know, I've approached. Hey, let's let's. What what industry do, do we you know of that doesn't have science to support um, their positions? Does anybody know of any? Just the I, one we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. It's the one you're talking about. So it's almost like, you know, I said that, you know, I, this industry needs like shoe holsters, you know, so you just, you know, shoot themselves in the foot without having to, uh, you know, go too far. Uh, it, it really boggles my mind, but, um, you know, I, I thought it was a little outlandish, uh, you know, now with the COVID-19, I, I mean, people are writing these reports that this drone delivery is going to just take off and go. Um, I, I don't know that I really believe that. I, I always say, you know, the, the visual line of sight envelope, there is money to be made here, and usually with drones that augment an existing business, but I don't think that there's enough, let's say, industry or money or resources uh, in just the visual line of sight envelope. Am I all wet on that deal? What do you guys think? I, I agree well, when you, with that. I think, uh, I think just about all of the uh, entities uh, in, involved in the ecosystem, as you uh, define it, uh, the the network have been so short-sighted. Uh, it, you know, I used to think on the regulatory side the FAA was just its typical 20 years behind the power curve, uh, but. Uh, over the last uh, 10 years or so, my observations have become uh, somewhat different. They're, they're very much, um, their efforts have very much stifled progress uh, in these areas. And then on the industry side, uh, the conflicts of interest that exist between uh, uh, Big businesses, uh, the regulatory, the lawmakers, and uh, their desire to make a buck this year rather than really putting the nose to the grindstone and recognizing billions of dollars, if that's what you're interested in is in the money, or incredible capabilities that these systems can be employed uh, into making our lives better all around. And, uh, and just about every one of the uh, initiatives or efforts up to this point have worked against rather than for that longer-term objective that we should have pursued, and we've missed so many opportunities along the way. Mm. I'm glad you said it because I uh, people people seem to think that I'm all uh, negative Nancy when I say stuff. But that I'm, I'm like on the same page with you. I think you hit it, Gene. You had comments. Oh, no, I was just saying, preach down here in the South on Sunday. We say preach it, brother. You you are saying the word because that's exactly what happened. It's a it it, it really. Uh, I mean, I uh, you know I've been getting pretty adept at banging my head against the wall. As this news rolls out, it, 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 it's maddening to see, um, you know, 
the like you said, Brock. Okay, so it could either if you if you want to be all money, it could be the all money. If you want to see being a better steward of the the finite resources on the planet, or feeding hungry people, or food security, or water security, whatever, it's right there, man. It is right there. And um, it's like playing, uh, you know, hitting the pinata with Helen Keller or something. I, I just it. It, it starts to make somebody physically sick, but, um, you know, I don't want to talk about my own problems. The other news, and maybe you can uh, share some insights into this, Brock, is, you know, FAA, you know, the the administrator flew the 737 MAX, and, and I put it out there. People were shocked. I was like, well, this is leadership. Dude's putting where his money, where his mouth is, you know? He's going to get in there. He's going to fly that uh, turkey. And, uh, you know, put it through the paces. At least this guy's an aviator. The last guy did the bus schedule for the Olympics, but this guy's an aviator. I figure, hey, man, you're going to jump in the cockpit. You're going to put your money where your mouth is. You're going to ride in the seat. You're going to fly around. Brock, what were you, what, what did you think of that when the, when the administrator flew the 737 Well, well I, you know, I... I... I uh, I held out a lot of promise for uh, Steve Dixon uh, as he came on board. Uh, he wasn't involved with uh, the the Max uh, disasters uh, directly uh, as the head of the FAA, and he came on board uh, uh, post that era. And I was hoping that you know, being a prior prior uh, military aviator. He'd just get down to, uh, you know, dealing with the issues and calling them like they are, and I just haven't seen it. And uh, specifically, with respect to what you said, you got to remember uh, that, you know, he's a prior uh, Delta executive, very much uh, ingrained in this network where conflicts of interest are wholesale, and... Uh, uh, the the Boeing attempted to manipulate him in his new role the same way they are so accustomed to uh, uh, working systems of uh, whether it's commercial or military uh, aviation or space or whatever they're just experts at working their the system and they're no really no longer really in the uh, in the uh, in the aircraft business as much as they are in the uh, investment and financial in dealing with the huge numbers and uh, making uh, 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 the the share prices of stock go up so they can uh, enrich themselves with unearned uh, and unjustifiable uh, bonuses millions every year that thing but the approach they took uh, um, to getting the Max back in the air after the first uh, Lion uh, 610 incident was to uh, really just take plays out of the old playbook that they've been working out of over the last two decades, which has been, uh, you know, one scandal after another, and they invited Dixon out to the uh, factory in Seattle. Muhlenberg rolls out the red carpet. 
brings him in and wines and dines him uh, in a luncheon and PowerPoint uh, presentations and all these lofty promises and recommitments and uh, tours of the facility and all of that kind of stuff to have Dixon come out and say in his uh, fighter pilot uh, kind of uh, attitude, well, I'm going to fly the damn aircraft myself and demonstrate and prove that it is safe and uh, that kind of stuff was just typical of the conflicts of interest and the... uh, and the uh, unethical corruption that uh, everybody has become so desensitized to in the industry. And uh, I, I felt that just from uh, my past experiences and observations of what it's like on the inside. And uh, don't get me wrong, I don't have any issue uh, whatsoever with fight. My dad was one, and, uh, uh, you know, absolutely incredible what those guys do. But there's also uh, what we know as the fighter pilot mafia, and they're the ones who, that the, at the top, uh, you know, kind of run things and make decisions that are based off of not necessarily what's best for an industry nor uh, a capability within the military. They're doing it off of what's best for their own self-interest, either individually or within their own community and not looking at things uh, from a system of system standpoint and what is the uh, overall, uh, you know, best approach. And so I kind of felt like uh, when he came out with that position early on that it was just a huge mistake for him to buy into uh, Boeing's PR campaign and all of the other methods that they have become experts at in covering up real safety issues, uh, unsafe aircraft that they all knew was uh, unsafe. Uh, Everybody... uh, at a um, technical and engineering level within the company knew and understood and were pressured by senior leadership to uh, to uh, to make sure that that aircraft kept delivering because if it didn't keep delivering and flying after the first uh, max uh, mishap that killed 189 innocent people, uh, they would not qualify for their end-of-year bonuses in the millions at the few elite executive levels. And uh, and we all know that 2018, when Lion, uh, you know, when the Lion crash occurred, uh, Muhlenberg uh, gets on a talk show. Uh, the first of the following year and brags about the $101 billion in revenue that Boeing uh, drug in during the same year that they, uh, you know, set into motion a record-setting 20-month-long period of uh, the first uh, airliner to ever be grounded that long. And uh, so you think it's hindsight talking about it in this manner, but 
really, this is all easy to predict and foresight if uh, if you can set uh, your uh, beliefs about how the system works versus the way the system is supposed to work. And so a little bit disappointed in Dixon. I thought he'd come on board and start working the conflicts of interests and the complicitness within the FAA that exists, not at the lower levels, okay? Mm-hmm. It's driven levels, just like it is within Boeing and other uh, big businesses that are right. uh, so powerful. They are capable of uh, in, inappropriately influencing anybody to achieve what is in their own individual best interest and line their pockets. And where right. the whole thing went wrong, in my opinion, uh, instead of just uh, doing what was right in the best interest of safety and grounding the aircraft and figuring it out at that time, they all tried to play out of the old playbook setting themselves up uh, later on for uh, the uh, Ethiopian 302 and their 737 MAX to kill again. And even then, they dug their heels in and tried to resist uh, grounding the aircraft, and it took uh, foreign uh, aviation authorities to speak up and say, enough is enough. This aircraft ain't our airspace until... Uh, you guys can figure out a way to make it safe and a way to prevent MCAS from taking control away from the uh, pilots and ramming the nose of the aircraft into the ground at 500 knots. Yeah, it's a bad wow. feature. You know, that, that's just, the nose wow. into the dirt. But, look, you know, there, there was like a whole, there's like a whole freight train to unpack on that one. Um, no doubt. First, Disclosure, full disclosure, uh, Brock and I are not related. Uh, we spoke on the phone one time. I think we had a 20 or 30-minute conversation. So this is not – this. Uh, it's refreshing to hear, Brock, because, uh, you know, I, and I yeah. want to go back. I want to go back because, you know, now, okay, so I got bamboozled. I, I bought the end on the bravado that I'm flying the plane, which, you know, I get maybe because I was so disappointed in the last guy, Huerta, I thought, I even wrote President Obama a letter, and I said, like, this dude's not qualified, man. He's just not qualified. He's not an aviator. He's not qualified. Uh, and, you know, I know he hated my guts for it. I don't really care because I think it's a, the country thing and, and some of the other things we talked about are bigger things. But, um you know, you remember when President Trump got in there and Trump said, hey, you know, the, the guy over at the FAA has got to be an aviator. Huerta had his feelings hurt. And he's like, I'm out of here. Well, he wasn't the only rat to jump ship because also our good friend, the uh, Associate Administrator for Aviation Safety, uh, Peggy Gilligan, jumped ship. And a few other people jumped ship. Um, and, you know, before the, uh, the MAX thing came to light, I personally believe that uh, the the FAA lacks the flying expertise to make these judgment calls anymore. I think it's full of bureaucrats who are doing the same thing as you're talking about with the upper echelon that the company is doing and things like that. Do do you think, I mean, you know, without naming names like I did, because that dropped you off the Christmas card list. Um, I only get one Christmas card, one industry Christmas card a year. Can you believe that? I know everybody finds that hard to believe. But 
So do you, do you think that same problem exists at the FAA, Brock? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to say that what you said earlier about, you know, we're not focused on uh, just pointing out the negative uh, for the purpose of bringing guys like us or, you know, not in, intending to bring uh, the spotlight on ourselves over somebody else's uh, tragedy. We're a part of this. We're professional mm-hmm. aviators. Uh, or associated in some way with uh, uh, the overall interests of aviation. Um, And uh, we're just out here to say the obvious and and, and tell Mm -hmm. the truth for the purpose of solving problems rather than prolonging them. And uh, I am totally in agreement with you that almost by design – the FAA was inf- overly influenced uh, by the uh, huge abuses of power that come along with uh, mega corporations and uh, the lobbyists that they use um, and also the uh, conflicting interests and and uh, essentially uh, uh, breaking uh, the obligations that our legislators have and uh, writing in these, uh, these uh, uh, you know, self-inspection and uh, near self-airworthiness uh, certification processes. What could go wrong? What could go take, wrong, Brock? Yeah, that, that take an external... Uh, objective view out of the equation and so over the years the FAA lost the uh, technical expertise and overly relied on uh, you know something that was easily to be uh, manipulated when uh, it's when it's uh, done within uh, the confines of the the company and the pressure that comes from above by the senior leadership within the company. And, and through all of that uh, freight train of unpacking, Gene, I'm sure something struck a chord with you. Uh, all of it, for the most part. You heard me in the background going, wow, as Brock talked, because, uh, you know, <laughs> we lived it, and, you know, we, we tried to, to talk about it, and it never got talked about, and, and uh, the FAA is a prime example. And, and, and it, I don't mean to disparage the air traffic control guys. They do a really, really important <laughs> job, but it's amazing – how many of those guys aren't even pilots as well? You know, and they bring them in and, and they get them trained up. They come from varying backgrounds and that sort of thing. But, you know, I always, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, okay, well, all these guys are pilots, but, but they're not. And, you know, everything that, that Brock said, I was just kind of, my mouth is hanging open and went, wow, there's somebody else that thinks like we do. That we're well, not okay. trying to be ugly. We're just pointing out the obvious. All right. Well, that's bad. I mean, I noticed uh, I, I did a, a little research and read some of the European, um, let's say, articles and news stories about what was going on. You, you had people at the FAA that were embedded at Boeing, and the guy said, the only reason I went along with this is I was on drugs. You know, you didn't hear about that over here. Um, and then people were saying, well, those are Airbus plants trying to, you know, subvert the American aerospace. It's like, that's a bunch of a family show. Um, uh, Malarkey. 
is what we'll call it. And, um, you know, that never really happened. That is just not true. It, you know, the other thing with the American aerospace ecosystem, and there, there's a few things that play into this, but uh, Brock, you hit on something where other CAAs stepped in and grounded the 737 before the FAA, namely China. Okay, so China is seen as, uh, let's say, even being more in tune with reality, the Chinese CAA, than the FAA. I mean, that it, it made them look, um, let's say, less than complicit. qualified. <laughs> well, and okay, complicit, you know, in, in that situation. So, you know. When we talk about American aerospace, you know, there's, I, I forget what the numbers are. You know, $49 billion, oh, the economy, oh, it's huge, blah, blah, blah. You know, in our era, aerospace numbers, they always include military, which is probably close to half in there somewhere. Um, the Chinese aerospace ecosystem, whatever, is, is somewhere in the, the 20-some-odd billion dollars. These guys are buying aircraft, you know, like 250 aircraft. I mean, there's a total backlog of, uh, of aircraft orders. And, you know, so here's the 737 MAX thing. I mean, I'm going to ask you, Brock. I mean, in my estimation, it's probably like maybe you should, uh, you know, change up the configuration, rename it, ditch the MCAS system, put new motors on it, curb feelers and some chrome rims or something, and, and repackage and resell. Or do you just gonna? Do you think they're just gonna ride this one in and, and with their credibility? What do you think? Oh, I think they're I think they're gonna stick to the the playbook that's worked for them for the the last twenty <sighs> years. I, I don't know how much you recall about uh, the 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 KCX tanker program that the Air Force uh, came up with and uh, the scandal that uh, Boeing was engaged with back then. That was that was our opportunity to solve uh, something like uh, the max from occurring, which was very predictable. Um, if you look at the pattern of behavior of the uh, senior executives uh, inside of Boeing, and the same uh, uh, applies to other uh, big uh, uh, companies that have gone awry and they just haven't had a catastrophic event like this, but it's easy to predict when you look at the pattern of behavior. And uh, let me just backtrack for a second. KCX, uh, Boeing uh, um, illegally offering uh, uh, offers of employment to procurement that were in the uh, position on the contract and uh, yeah a couple people down the road went to jail both on the government side and one or two on the Boeing side but those were only sacrificial lambs and did not get mm -hmm. at the heart of the corruption within the uh, within the leadership culture so uh, and oh by the way uh, that was a in that in that same era was the time frame that Muhlenberg came along and rose to the top of uh, Boeing defense and uh, responsible for the KC-46 uh, 
uh, uh, tanker aircraft that ultimately got spit out just in 2019 after all of these hurdles and delays. And, uh, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, Muhlenberg ends up being the uh, uh, CEO and president of Boeing Defense, which led to him uh, ultimately sliding into the uh, chairman and CEO uh, at the corporate level. Well, what do you expect when you see that pattern of behavior, the illegal activities that went on during that protracted period, one scandal after another, and now you got uh, that guy that doesn't know any other way to be successful other than through corrupt practices that they all are aware of. And uh, what happens? We spit out an aircraft that the taxpayer has paid hugely uh, for uh, with 500 uh, deficiencies on the list. The aircraft is in mission capable, not mission capable in the aerial refueling realm, which it was designed specifically for, yet the American taxpayer is still buying those aircraft every month, and they're taking up valuable space in an area of deficiency, which is uh, uh, aerial refueling. And throughout that entire 20-year period, the number of, uh, of war fighters that we left on the battlefield due to insufficient air coverage when they needed, needed it most, getting shot at because we didn't have the capacity to have aerial refueling on uh, the fighters and the other folks that could go in there and suppress enemy fire and save these guys' lives. Uh, and uh, you look at the number of losses that we have had all as a result of this corruption and conflicts of interest within this uh, network or ecosystem, as you describe it, and how everybody is for sale and everybody is on the take and everybody, uh, you know, just considers it the way of uh, that things work rather than the way they're supposed to work. And uh, that's where uh, guys like you, Patrick, and, and Gene are so extremely valuable in terms of just being willing to say it like it is. No sugarcoating, no diplomacy uh, that might get in the way, uh, certainly in a respectful manner, but a, uh, a factual-based uh, delivery um, in an informed way uh, so that we can actually come up with some real solutions or else another train wreck is just right around the corner and, uh, and, and uh, we're going to experience the same thing. The pattern of behavior is repeating itself, and we can see that in so many areas in the country right now. Yeah, you're hitting on a bigger thing. And I was laughing, and I wasn't laughing because it's funny. It's laughing because the whole deal is absurd. Okay, and I'm in the same deal. I I tell, you know, I'm a straight shooter man for the sake of brevity. I don't have 20 years to tiptoe around where where people are going to, you know, die or the country's going to, you know, uh, fall into a banana republic, whatever. But uh, you are you are like so right. 
especially in the sense with, uh, I think, the whole culture, it seems that American business, it's the, the people who are flim-flam, snake oil, lie, cheat, steal, whatever. As long as they, you know, get the hairdo and the teeth, uh, they're up there talking all of this stuff. The scandals go under the uh, under the rug. Nobody even wants to talk about it. Same within government. I'm really the FAA thing with the uh, administrative um, rulemaking or lawmaking, in my estimation, that we've seen where that goes awry, and that goes awry, and these people died, and all of this other stuff that's going on, because you have people that create fiefdoms, and they're not looking out for the best interest of the American people, the taxpayer, the person that's their boss. They didn't even. And you want to talk to the public. And I still get people that call and tell me, you got to back off of the FAA. And I say, why do I have to back off of the FAA? You know, you maybe lost, you know, uh, touch with reality, but they work for us. What's going on up there is a travesty. And, I, you know, I, 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 we're, we're like, we got four minutes left. Okay? And the punchline on this deal, again, and people are like, oh, he's anti-Chinese. This China thing, man, and the drone thing, it's just a harbinger of, of things to come. And, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be some interesting stuff that's coming out about this. But uh, even the drone thing, we gave away an entire industry, gave it away, created a national security issue, and that is coming to manned aviation. Who else, you know, I talk about flying cars, who else is going to start a supply chain that there's no standards there's no certification. There's no certification plan. And people are supposed to invest and start building systems that won't have rules for, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. Does that, does that make sense to you, Brock? Oh, absolutely. You are so spot on uh, in your assessment, Patrick. Uh, uh, I'll track back to your idea or you, what you expressed about, you know, the, you don't have anything against the Chinese, and I agree with you. I have nothing against the Chinese people any more than I do uh, the, the uh, people within the FAA that are at the working level um, trying to do what's right. Uh, but the, the call the Chinese made uh, to ground the aircraft uh, was the right call, but for the wrong reason. They weren't, uh, you know, the way things work at the upper echelons in China are no different than what we're describing uh, within our own country at the upper echelons. And uh, uh, they saw it as uh, an opportunity uh, under real circumstances with uh, with uh, real concerns of uh, the safety of people and the aircraft that fly uh, in their airspace, they saw it as an opportunity to advance their own interest in uh, commercial aviation. I think uh, you've seen this before, uh, the C919 uh, C9, um, mm -hmm, program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, uh, they're probably going to they're probably going to uh, 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 be able to advance that tremendously under the circumstances that we created within our own aviation industry. Um, and uh, uh, much like on the, 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 the small unmanned systems and the way DJI has been allowed in and proliferate 
you know, 75% of our own market here and lock out the rest of the competition um, uh, in a way that is, uh, you know, going to have devastating effects, uh, compromises to national security, like you said, uh, and uh, allowances uh, in our own uh, FAA rulemaking by inviting them in uh, to participate and and all of those kinds of things were just replicating um, the exact same kinds of behaviors that lead to the disastrous consequences associated with one company, Boeing, doing something extremely uh, uh, dangerous uh, and uh, affecting the reputation that we have in the aviation industry as a world leader. There, there uh, what seems like a single event uh, has forever altered the rest of the way the rest of the world will perceive us and trust us in this uh, environment that we're talking about. And why is it important to be as candid as we all are being right now? Well, we're operating in a unique environment. It's one that is so unforgiving, the simplest mistake or priority out of place uh, results in uh, irreversible consequences. Loss of life is near guaranteed when you have these other kind of priorities uh, entering the equation and the pressures associated with them. And so many people get hurt out of this. Not just the victims, not just the families, but uh, think of all the good, honest, hardworking Boeing employees and Boeing suppliers that uh, have, uh, have been tremendously affected by this, and they were not the ones that were enriched. That's a handful of executives uh, that lined their pockets with millions, and not a single one of them was asked to pay any of that back that they uh, enjoy as a result of uh, what they ended up doing in crashing these two aircraft, and they would have been if had had uh, had there not been uh, external intervention, uh, there would have been more aircraft crash. Uh, right. And uh, well, I, I think the episode we, we ran out of time. I don't know if it still records. It used to, but uh, so I, I think it's over. I mean, maybe we yeah, we could have done a part three, but uh, that was really informative and refreshing, and also you know to really um, I want to say thanks. I mean, I know myself, I, I feel like uh, I'm kind of vindicated in some of the stuff that I've been saying. Gene? I just want to say, bam. I mean, it was right on the nail head every time. I, I'm just, uh, I love it. I love it. Thanks, Brock. Uh, that that was uh, very insightful. All yeah, right. and, and it was, to the, you know, I mean, you hit all the points there. Uh, you know, I, I – uh, it's a story that needed to be told. It really, it really is. So I'm, I'm glad that we did that. But, uh, and thanks for coming on for part two. Um, I know you were, you were going to say something in closing. Uh, no, I realize we're out of time, Patrick, and uh, got a ton more stories for you. But uh, I know you got to <laughs> sign up. 
All right. Well, thank you, sir. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future. Thank you very much.